welcome to the NBAV Podcast. Welcome back to NBAV and the NBA Avenue Podcast, where we are back on February 22nd, 2024, with a completely full slate of NBA action coming up tonight. So what we're going to do with the All-Star break nearly officially behind us, we're going to review the teams who are playing tonight. We'll preview the upcoming games, but we also want to include in that preview the outlook for all of the teams who are playing for the rest of the season. So what are, for example, the first game is going to be tonight between the Magic and the Cavaliers. So in addition to breaking down the matchup, let's break down what the Magic should expect for the remainder of the season and what the Cavaliers are expecting for the remainder of the season. Starting with Orlando. This has been a really great year for them. There are five games above 500, sitting in an eight seed, with Paolo Bancaro leading the team and Franz Wagner assisting, along with some of the bench guys. And what they really clearly need to improve are the guards on this team. They need to have decisively who are the best guards, who are the better ones, and not just have a rotation of three or four guys which is something they'll figure out over the coming seasons. But for now, the Magic have given a great run. And with about 20, how many games are left? If they are 30 and 25, that's 55, so 65, 70. There's 27 games left for them. In the final 27 games, they want to show exactly what they showed in the first half. They want to make a push to be in playoff seating and get that taste. There are no expectations of them going far. There's no expectations of them winning a round in the playoffs. And if this was a regular year before they brought on the play-in tournament, it would be even better because all they would need to do is get in as the eight seed, which they are currently at, four games up on the nine seed, And they would just have to stay over the course of the last 27 games. They would just have to play four games better than Chicago, who are in the ninth seed, and then they would be good. Orlando would be able to get that little bit of playoff experience for Paolo Bancaro and co. this season. And that would be fantastic for them. But unfortunately, with the play-in tournament, that's going to damper their chances a little bit where they are most likely going to be in some sort of play-in scenario before they could get to a full first-round seven-game playoff series. But the goal can't change. The goal for them is, for the last 27 games, do the same thing. Be a couple of games above 500, continue bringing it, playing the right way every single night, and getting in there to the point where now you are going to, as an eight seed, you're going to have the upper hand on making it into the 7-8 the seeds where the 9 and 10 seed don't have as good of a chance because they have to first play each other. One of those two teams will be eliminated. And then based on what happens in the 7-8 matchup, then the 8 and 9 would play each other for the final chance. So the Magic would have a 2 out of 3 chance to... They would have essentially 3 chances to win a game. 
or they would have two chances to win a game is how it would work, right? They would have, they would be able to face whoever the seven seed is. If they win, they're good. They're in the seven. If they lose, then they have to then play the winner of the nine and 10 seed. So you just want to keep it going, put yourself in that position and automatically, even in the play-in, you'll get a little bit of a taste of the playoff atmosphere. You'll get a couple of play-in games if they stay where they are. And if, or if, look, if you can move up to the six, if you can move up to the six seed, which right now they're only a half a game back from, from Indiana in the six seed, if you can do that, then this season will be automatically a massive success. So the lofty goal, the best case scenario for the Magic, overtake the Pacers or the Sixers and move into the six seed. Overtake the Heat, the Pacers, or the Sixers move into the sixth seed, that would be phenomenal. And the Knicks are only three games ahead of the Magic as well because they've had to deal with a lot of injuries, and they still have a lot of injuries for the time being with OG and Julius Randle both being out. So there are opportunities right now for the Magic to try and get up to the sixth seed or higher. If they can do that, mission accomplished, season from heaven, incredible start to the future for the Orlando Magic. If not, you at least want to stay in the 7-8 range. When you start teetering towards the 9-10 range, you're playing a bit more with disaster because they want to get into that playoff series. That's really what they want. So now that you're only in a one playoff play-in game if you were in the 9 or 10, that would be a little bit tough. And if they fell out of everything completely, which I don't foresee happening because they are eight and a half games up on the, the Nets in the 11 seed, and that would be totally out of all play, play in contention. I don't think that's something that they have to worry about. But if they can get to six, massive success. If they're in seven and eight, great success. If they're in nine or 10, still a success. But you want to be in that playoff series, not just in the play-in game. So there you have it for Orlando. On the other hand, you have Cleveland. The two seed, two and a half games up on the Bucks for the three seed. What Cleveland is trying to do right now is they've got Garland back. And they want to see if the same way they ran off a couple of massive win streaks without Garland, they want to see if they can do one of those with him. Because the the series the the way that you are going to be playing in a playoff series, you want to figure that out now near the end of the regular season. So that's what the Cavaliers are trying to figure out. They've gone on a couple of great win streaks, but that's not with the team that's going to be as it's constituted during the playoffs. Because with Garland going to be there, with Mobley going to be there, with Jared Allen hopefully going to be there, you need to figure out your rotations. And you're trying to get a groove. For a lot of these teams that kind of know where they're going to sit approximately after the next 27 games, when you have an idea, it's about getting ready, getting your rotation set, feeling good going into the playoffs in a smooth way. And that's what it's about for the Cleveland Cavaliers. You have the Brooklyn Nets facing off against the Toronto Raptors. And here it's a bit murkier. The Brooklyn Nets are in 11. They just fired their head coach. And I think it was a just firing because he didn't seem to have his finger on the pulse. If you watched his face if you during the games, he seems a little bit out of it. But more than that, the Nets have struggled in many games executing at the end of ball games where they had the lead. They blew some big leads this season, and it's been 
that's a that's a product of poor coaching in many cases. Because if you are if you have a, a ten point lead at the end of a ball game and you're losing those games routinely, maybe there's something lacking in the coaching department. Definitely not a massive surprise type of firing. I don't believe Jock Vaughn is was first choice on anybody's list for head coach of the team to begin with. So the Nets, they're kind of in a bit of a rocky terrain, but the Raptors are right there. The Nets are in 11, the Raptors are in 12. Do either of these teams hope that they can make it into the play-in? The Nets have to make up two and a half games on the Atlanta Hawks. And the Raptors are another two and a half games behind the Nets. So they would have to make up five games on the Hawks, who are the 10 seed. So the Raptors really have their work cut out for them because they have 27 games to make up five games. So if the Raptors, let's say, won 20 out of these next 27 games, which would be an incredible run for them, considering they're 19 and 36, they only win about 33% of their games as it is. They're only winning about a third. To say if they went 20 and 7 for the duration, and by the way, they lost their last three. So they would have to go 20 and 7, let's say, and then the, the Hawks would have to do five games worse than that. So the Hawks would have to go 15 and if it's uh, 27 games left, they would have to go 15 and 12. That's possible, but then there might be a tiebreaker scenario. Let's say they would have to go 14 and, and uh, 14 and 13. About 500. You're really so what you need is you need to go on a massive win streak. The Raptors are going to have to win such a large portion of the rest of this season and they're also relying on the Hawks to be about 500 and then they could make their way into the play-in as a 10 seed. That's going to be real tough. I think for the Raptors you may as well call it. So what do you have to look forward to for the rest of the season? Nothing. Unfortunately, you really have nothing to look forward to. You're going to watch Scotty Barnes, but this is a team that's hard to watch in general. The Raptors are one of the most boring teams in the league, so I'm sorry to say, but they really have nothing to look forward to from here and on. The Brooklyn Nets are a little bit closer. They're only two and a half games back from the Hawks. So you're two and a half games back. You bring in the fresh coach. Ben Simmons comes back, and you hope that you can rattle off a couple of victories quick. If you can't, then you'll probably go into despair. Uh, it, but we can see over the next 10 games. That's really going to be the tell. Can the Nets make it into the play-in and give it a chance? That's what you want, I guess, if you're a fan of the Brooklyn Nets. But there's not too much to look forward to either. You're trying to make the 10 seed and Hail Mary play-in, Mikael Bridges. Let's see what happens. Then you have a couple of teams who are in similar waters right now. You have the New York Knicks and the Philadelphia 76ers. For the 76ers, it's about negating the free fall that you're in right now with Joel Embiid's absence and every couple of games getting a victory. If you can win every other game, stay about 500 for the rest of the season, you'll be happy. If you can win every third game and stay in the sixth seed or higher, you'll be happy. What the team is trying to avoid right now is dropping below the sixth seed and now having to play in play-in games in order to earn their way into the playoffs. That's what the Sixers are trying to avoid. 
And they're also trying to make sure that Joel Embiid gets healthy so that he's back for the playoffs. But either way you cut it, it's going to be tough because you're going to bring Joel back. He's going to have to play himself back into shape after not being on the court for a while. And he's going to have to play at the top of his game in order for Philadelphia to win a playoff series. So it's going to be a very uphill battle. But that is the expectation for the Sixers, is that you want to try not to drop into the play-in. You want to stay in the sixth seed or higher by winning every other game or so, playing about 500 basketball or, or 400 to 500 basketball and staying sixth seed or higher. Then you go to the Knicks. The Knicks have it a bit different. The Knicks are in the four seed. Now, they're trying to do the same thing in the sense that they don't want to drop below six, but the Knicks are dealing with a lot of injuries right now. They're missing Julius Randle, who is having a very good season, and they're also missing OG Ananobi, who has been pivotal since coming to the Knicks in that trade for Barrett and Quickly. The Knicks are going to bring it every night, and although they've lost their last four, they really got hosed, specifically in one of those matchups against the Houston Rockets with uh, terrible refereeing at the buzzer. The Knicks are looking to, similar to the Cavaliers, get their playoff rotation set, but the Knicks, because they've lost their last four, now also have to keep their eye below them a little bit and make sure that they don't drop a couple of spots. The Heat could get hot. The Pacers could start winning. And then the Knicks are flirting a little bit with dropping. But with the Sixers also below them, it's less likely that the, the Knicks are going to drop from the four seed to the seventh seed and then have to play play-in games to earn their spot in the playoffs. So the Knicks are most likely going to be six seed or higher, basically, no matter what, because they do bring it consistently on a night-to-night -night basis, even with the injuries that they've had. So it's about getting your players back healthy. Can you get OG back? Can you get Julius Randle back? Can you get Mitchell Robinson back, potentially? And getting your rotation set while also not dropping. And if you can continue to get the consistent play from the rest of the team as we reins reinsert those guys back into the lineup, the Knicks will be happy to take on anyone in a first-round playoff series. They're not going to shy away from any team out there. The Knicks will be a tough matchup for anybody. Not to say that they will be the favorite in any matchup that they play, but they are definitely going to bring it, and they're not going to shy away from anyone. You move forward to the, to the Pistons. The Pistons have it a little bit different. They're just looking to play good basketball. They're just looking to see the production coming from Jaden Ivey and Cade Cunningham and see that there are brighter days ahead. Whereas for the Indiana Pacers, they're in the sixth seed right now. That means they control their destiny. They are 31-25 and 25 on the season, six games above 500. You want to see them play slightly above 500 the rest of the way. You want to see them play better than the Heat. You want to see them maintain that six seed, or move up to the five seed ahead of the 76ers. That's what you want. You want to either get that, if you can get to the five seed, if you can move up one and end up facing the New York Knicks, that's a place that the Pacers have to like being, rather than being in the six seed and playing the Milwaukee Bucks and Giannis. While both series against either the Bucks or the Knicks would be a tough competitive series, I think if you're a Pacers fan, You'd probably want to take your chance against the Knicks, unless you believe that the pace that the Pacers bring would be a problem for the Bucks' defense, whereas the Knicks are a little bit more consistent on both ends of the floor. So take your pick. If you like where you are at the 6, okay. If you want to move up to the 5, okay. Either way, you don't really want to take chances with dropping. You want to stay in the 5-6 range, which 
The Pacers are in the driver's seat. They can do it, especially with the Sixers and the Knicks struggling with injuries right now. So you have to like where you're at with the Pacers right now and with Tyrese Halliburton back and hopefully healthy post-All-Star break. Let's see if they can maintain their standing. You have the Phoenix Suns going against the Dallas Mavericks tonight. That game is going to be in Dallas. Dallas has won three in a row. After the trade deadline, they've been hot. The Suns have also won two games in a row. Um, I'm sorry, the da- where I said the Dallas Mavericks won three in a row, I, what I mean is they won three in a row since the deadline, but they've won six games in a row overall. So they're really hot. And the Suns only have a one-game lead on them, so if the Dallas Mavericks win tonight, they could move in- They will move into a tie with the Suns, and depending on what happens with the Pelicans, they could move from a seven seed up to a, up to a, a six seed and only be half a game back of the Pelicans. So Dallas... Coming off the six-game win streak heading into the All-Star break, they have a massive chance right now to move up in the standings by by beating the Suns at home tonight. They must know what's at stake here. I'm sure they see the playoff standings, and they see where the Suns are and where they are. The Mavericks have had a pretty good year, all things considered. And with the winning the last six games and bringing in P.J. Washington and Daniel Gafford, and hopefully getting Kyrie to a place where he's really healthy, and the same for Luka, who both of them have missed games throughout the year. Kyrie more than Luka, but Luka's missed a bunch as well. Luka with uh, the broken nose most recently. You're hoping to get into a real rhythm. You're hoping to keep this win streak going. And Dallas, if they can move up, they'll be real, real dangerous because any playoff series that they're in, they have a chance to win. Currently, the way things are constituted, Dallas would have to play a play-in game to earn their spot at 7, but if Dallas can move up, which is certainly in their purview, and get to the 6 and play a team like the Clippers, that'd be a tough series. But they might play a team like the Thunder, and they could beat the Thunder, they could beat the Timberwolves, any team would be a good series against Dallas. So, Dallas, you're just looking to continue exactly what you've been doing before the All-Star break. You won 6 games in a row, you won 7 out of your last 10. You're just going to keep that up, and you're going to hopefully move up out from this play-in range and make it into an actual guaranteed play-in series, uh, guaranteed playoff series, and then watch out because the Dallas Mavericks are the wild card in all of this. In terms of contenders, they are one, and they're off a lot of people's radar. A lot of people don't realize when you have a good team that's playing well, and then you add a couple of key improvements to that team. It's not just two individual guys. It's improving the team overall. And Dallas is very, very dangerous. The Clippers are going to be playing the Thunder tonight in a game that's going to decide the 2-3 and three seed, at least for the night, <laughs> until things can switch back. The Thunder are currently at 2. The Clippers are at 3, one half game back of the Thunder. So whoever wins tonight will officially be in the 2 seed for the time being. For the Clippers... They've already had a great year. They're in three. They can move into two. They can move down to four behind Denver. We'll see what happens. But for them, it's about keeping their stars healthy. Seeing if you could bring in a buyout guy. Someone like Otto Porter at the end. Just to see if you can get yourself set for the playoffs. Because if you have the playoff series where Paul George is there. 
helping out Kawhi Leonard. And James Harden is playing to the top of his ability with Russell Westbrook coming off the bench in that six-man role. You're going to have a shot to win the whole thing. So you're looking to keep the team healthy. How many games you win from here out doesn't really make too much of a difference. You don't know who the playoff matchups will be anyway. You don't know how the seating is going to work out. You're trying to keep the team healthy. For Oklahoma City, I think you want to try and win as many games as you can because you have a young team, and they've had a great season. And they're not going to win in the playoffs. If they won round one, this season would be a massive overachievement. There's a high chance that they'll lose in round one, considering they have basically no playoff experience. And when games are close at the end of ball games, and, and uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander gets double teamed, Outside of Jalen Williams, it's hard to find someone who's super reliable at the end of the games. They're heavily reliant on Dort. He's far too... They rely on him far too much for a player of his caliber. And they're reliant on guys who have even less experience than him. Chet can be bullied around inside. And there's a lot of opportunity for other teams to come in and beat OKC despite the great regular season that they had. Playoffs are different. So for the Thunder, you had a great regular season, finish out the regular season. Finish out the great regular season that you've had. Continue to be as consistent as you've been. And if you can get one of those top one or two seeds and play a team coming off a couple of play-in games who may be tired, you may be more well-rested than them. And now you have as good of a chance as possible to go and take a, a six or seven game series and maybe win it. That would be a massive overachievement for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Absolutely incredible. So for the Thunder, you want to just maintain your consistency and try to keep that high seed. Whereas for the Clippers, the high seed isn't as much of a priority because the priority there is health. The Rockets are going to face against the Pelicans. This is uh, another golden opportunity for the Pelicans where they've had a really forgiving schedule leading into the All-Star break where they've managed to win a bunch of their games. They won their last three. They haven't had to play incredible competition, and that continues tonight. They're going to go against the Rockets, who are in the 12th seed. Not too much to play for if you're a Rockets fan. They've been missing Van Vliet, and the hot start that they had has been simmering down simmering down greatly. And frankly, there was a game against the New York Knicks that they really could have lost where the referees helped them take the game at the end of regulation and really should have gone into overtime. So the Rockets could even have a worse record than they do, winning 44% of their games. There are six games below 500, And they are three and a half games back of the Warriors for the 10th seed. The Warriors are heating up. The Rockets are cooling down. It's unlikely the Rockets can do anything with the rest of the season. So for the most part, it's going to be giving the younger guys time. And you may not see as much Fred Van Vliet. So the Rockets don't really have too much to look forward to. Whereas the Pelicans have to take advantage of playing the Rockets and they've got to beat them and continue to beat all of these lower-seeded teams that they're going to be playing for the rest of the season. They've capitalized on it so far. And they've got to continue to do that if they want to stay out of play in range and remain in play off series range. And that's got to be their goal. A six-seater higher for the Pelicans is fantastic. 
Because when you have a team that's as inconsistent as New Orleans, you're happy to see that they had a pretty consistently overall good season and that their players are healthy. So the Pelicans are going to have to go out and win this one because then they're going to be facing off against the Bulls. So that's going to be another forgiving matchup, and then they'll go against the Knicks. So the Pelicans got to take advantage of the bad teams while they have it. They've done that so far, and that's what's kept them in the sixth seed. Moving on to the next matchup that we have tonight. We've got, going back, I was just looking forward at the Pelicans' schedule right there. But going forward, we have the Celtics against the Bulls. What the Celtics have done this season is they put themselves above the, uh, ahead of the whole pack. Nobody can compete with them. They're 43-12. and 12. They've won almost 80% of their games. Next best team in the league, Minnesota. Even Minnesota. Pretty significantly behind them. And in the Eastern Conference, they're six games up on the two-seed Cleveland Cavaliers. The Celtics have quietly won six games in a row beating up on some bad teams like Brooklyn in back-to-back -back games. Celtics have put themselves in the, firmly in the driver's seat above anybody else, and all they're trying to do is get their playoff rotation set. Try not to go on any extended losing streaks. Rest your guys when you have to. Try to work in Xavier Tillman and make sure that you have your bench rotation set. Make sure that the, that the players are able to get their chemistry rolling. But that hasn't been a problem for them the entire year. They're 8-2 and two in their last 10, won six in a row, and that's really the way this entire season has gone for them. Every 10 games has been 8-2. They win basically 80% of their games. You're gearing up for the playoff run, and you're gearing up for the championship. And frankly, no matter what they do from here out, they're probably going to be in that one seed. So they can play free basketball, they can play fun basketball, and they can try their best to get settled down and embrace the championship run. Then you have the team that they're going against tonight, the Chicago Bulls. This game's going to be in Chicago. The Bulls are in the ninth seed. They're four games back of Orlando. It's going to be tough for Chicago to catch Orlando. With 27 games left, Orlando plays above 500 basketball, so the Bulls would have to go on a nice run in order to overtake Orlando and get into the eighth seed. So most likely, the Bulls are going to be here in the nine, or they'll be in the ten. They're going to have to play the Hawks in a play-in game. I believe these two teams played in playoff games last year or two years ago. The Hawks are going to be very dangerous in that game. So the Bulls, it's going to be tough. They're going to have to win that one, and then they're going to have to win another one. They're going to have to win two games in a row in order to make it into a playoff series. I hate to say it, but this season is most likely going to end in disappointment for the Bulls. And disappointment for the Bulls isn't the same as disappointment for a team, let's say, like the Knicks. If the Knicks lose round one, that would be a disappointment. If the Bulls lost round one, that wouldn't be a disappointment. For the Bulls, the disappointment would be not getting even to round one. With the amount of money that they pay out in contracts, with having Zach Levine on the payroll, with having Nikola Vucevic on the payroll, with having DeMar DeRozan on the payroll and still being three games below 500, with 27 games to go on the year. The Bulls are slightly better at home than they are on the road. They're 15 and 12 at home. They're 15 and 19 on the road. I'm sorry. They're 15 and 12 at home. They're 11 and 17 on the road. So they're much better at home 
So we'll see if they can come up with a huge victory against the Celtics tonight. If they can, perhaps that spurs something. Otherwise, get ready to get embarrassed in the play-in game by the Atlanta Hawks. From there, we have the Wizards with absolutely nothing to play for. Going against the Nuggets. Denver is in the four seed. They're three games up on the five seed Phoenix Suns. They're one game back of the two seed Clippers. One and a half games back of the Thunder. Two and a half back of the Timberwolves. The Nuggets are here and the Nuggets are ready. But they've been missing something. Where they're winning 65% of their games this year, they were better last year. So you want to try to figure that out. You want to try to get back and locked in for the playoffs. Then we have the Hornets. The Hornets are the scorned girlfriend with a vendetta. They are a team filled with players who didn't work out on other teams. Vasily Micic didn't get a shot to play much basketball in Oklahoma City, but now he does on Orlando. I'm sorry, now he does in Charlotte. Trey Mann didn't get an opportunity in Oklahoma City, but now he does on Charlotte. They got rid of Gordon Hayward, who never suited up for them. And now they have Grant Williams, who didn't work out in Dallas. And these guys are going to all play with a vendetta. They're going to play with a chip on their shoulder. Go out there and have fun. Show why you belong in this league. They won their last three, heading into the All-Star break. And this is a time of fun and enjoyment for the Charlotte Hornets. Not only that, they're going against the Utah Jazz, who have been greatly struggling lately. Since the trade deadline, the Hornets have won three in a row. And the Jazz have lost. Let's see how many in a row the Jazz have lost. They've lost four in a row. Getting rid of Olinik, Fontecchio, Ogbaji. It's hurt them. And these two teams, Charlotte and, and Utah, are going in opposite directions. Neither has very much to play for, if you really think about it. But Charlotte is playing for respect. And Utah is just trying to cling to something to say that they still had a good season, but they're on the way down. So a huge opportunity tonight for Charlotte to continue their win streak and continue bringing joy to the city for once. Then you have the two teams in the exact same position. You have the Lakers and the Warriors. What a matchup. Coming out of the All-Star break, the Lakers, one and a half games up on the Warriors. If the Lakers can win this game and they take a two and a half game lead, and then after tonight, there would only be 26 games left. If they would have a two-and-a-half game lead on the Warriors, the Warriors would really have to start playing extremely well to jump back in front of the Lakers. So massive opportunity tonight for the Lakers, but conversely, massive opportunity tonight for the Warriors to close that gap down to a half-game lead for the Lakers separating those two teams. The Warriors have an uphill climb to get into the 8th seed. Most likely, the Warriors are going to be playing this play-in 9-10 matchup. The Warriors are 3.5 games back of the Kings. They're 4 games back of the Mavericks. Those are the 7 and 8 seeds. So the Warriors have an uphill battle. If they can win tonight, it would be a really good start. But for the Warriors, I think you have to get resigned to the mindset you're probably going to be playing back-to-back play-in games in order to earn your spot in the playoffs. And that's a bitter pill to swallow. So right now, for the Warriors, they're going to try to go and win 10 games in a row. That's got to be the outlook. They're 8-2 and two in their last 10. 
And they've got to try to win the next 10 in a row. I'm serious. Because that's the only way that they can play themselves out of having to win two play-in games in a row and having to only win one out of two games to stay and earn their playoff series. Warriors, you got to win all that. You got you to win all your games. For the Lakers, similar, but depending on how things go tonight, the Lakers are only two games back of the Kings. Whereas the Warriors are three and a half back. So the Lakers have the Kings on their sights a little bit more. And in front of the Kings, you have Dallas. Dallas is hot. In front of Dallas, you have the Pelicans, who have an easier schedule. So it's going to be hard for any of these teams to move up. For, for the Lakers and the Warriors, you both want to get into that eight seed. You don't want to have to play two games back-to-back -back just to earn the right to play a playoff series. And then both of them have older teams. The Lakers have LeBron James, who's a key player for them still. And if he has to play back-to-back play-in games just to earn the playoff series, and he goes as the most worn-out version of LeBron James into a seven-game series as a lower seed, that's going to be really tough for the Lakers to win. And the same goes for the Warriors. If the Warriors have to play two tough play-in games, and assuming they win both of them, and then go into a playoff series with their older roster, where Curry is a little bit up there, Chris Paul is up there, Klay Thompson certainly is, has shown that he's getting older. It's going to be real tough for both of them. So these two teams are in the position where they have a glimmer of hope, and they're looking to run off a massive win streak to try and do anything. They're sitting in the rowboat, and they're paddling like hell to try and get to shore. But if these two teams cannot go on a big win streak right here, right now, it's going to be a massive uphill climb to win two play-in games in a row and then win a seven-game series and then have to win another three series to win the title. Then you have the San Antonio Spurs with absolutely nothing to play for, and you have the Sacramento Kings. The Kings are in the eighth seed. They're a half game back of Dallas at the seven. They're two games up on the Lakers in the nine. The Kings, they just got to do their thing. They've struggled massively comparatively to last season, where they went into the playoffs on a high as the two seed. Right? I believe that the Kings were two last year. They played against the Warriors. They played against the Warriors in the, uh, in the first round of the playoffs, and they took it to seven games. It was a close series. It was a tough series. And the Kings have not looked the same since then. There have been some minor changes to the roster, but Keegan Murray hasn't been quite as good as you would have hoped he would be this season. DeMontis Sabonis puts up a lot of stats, but it's unclear to me how much of an impact he has on their winning relative to the statistics that he puts up. I know he's an all-star technically, but is his impact in winning and losing as impactful as he is in the stat column? De'Aaron Fox has been a little quieter. Every few games, he shows that he still has it in him, but that's the problem. It's been every few games. And where we thought he was taking a step towards the top 10 players in the league, now I'm not so sure. Maybe top 15, top 20 is where De'Aaron Fox has to sit. And over these next 27 games, we're going to get a real taste of that. The Kings don't have many believers right now. They have Malik Monk in a contract year. And they've got a, they've got a lockdown. 
Sacramento Kings have to lock down. They've thrived off being a good story for the last couple of seasons. And they need to try to do that again. They need to try to be a good, feel-good story for a small town relative to a lot of these big markets. They've got to lock in, and they've got to show that they can be consistent for the rest of the way and earn their way out of the 8 seed firmly into the 7 or 6. The 6 would obviously be a lot better. But for the Kings, where last season they were the better seed looking down, now they're the worst seed looking up. But it may be an easier road than it was last year. If the Kings can make it into the playoffs and face off against Minnesota or Oklahoma City, those young teams without the playoff experience, Sacramento will have a shot. They'll have a shot to go to round two. And if Sacramento goes to round two, I hate to say it, that's a success for Sacramento because they haven't been there in a while. So there you have it. Those are all the games going on tonight. And between all those games, 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12 games, which teams have we not reviewed? We haven't reviewed the Miami Heat. The Heat heating up. They won a couple in a row. They've won their last two ball games, and that puts them into a tie for the 7-8 seed with the Magic. And they're only half a game back of Indiana. The Heat are looking to get out of this play-in. They don't want to have to play any more games than they have to because with the strain that gets put on Jimmy Butler over the course of four back-to-back seven-game playoff, potential seven-game series, with the burden that Jimmy Butler has to take on this team in order to get them back to a finals, you don't want to have to play any more games than you want than you literally need to. So the Heat, try to win some ball games. You're five games above 500, but so are the Orlando Magic, and you're a better team than them. Your best player needs to play a little bit more often. You need to win some ball games by hook or by crook. Get yourself out of seven. Get yourself into six. Don't tax Jimmy Butler any more than you have to. But they're on the right track. They've won their last two games, so you want to keep that going. You have the Memphis Grizzlies. You're just looking to get Gigi Jackson more and more playing time and see if any of these other guys can help him out, and you gear up for next year. When you add Gigi Jackson to the mix of Jaron Jackson, Desmond Bain, and Ja Morant as you try to go, and also get Brendan Clark back. Get Brandon Clark back, and, and you try to make a push for a championship next year. Then you have the Trailblazers, the most embarrassing franchise in the league right now with absolutely nothing to play for. And you have uh, Milwaukee. Milwaukee's trying to right the ship. They're trying to figure things out. They're trying to figure out the coaching. Most importantly, they're trying to figure out the defense. You got to take the right angles when you're running guys off the three-point line and they then get to the basket for easy dunks and layups. You got to eliminate that. Because I don't care how good Giannis is and I don't care how many threes Damian Lillard hits. You can't be giving up wide-open dunks and layups at the hoop every other possession down the floor if you're planning on winning the NBA championship. So there you go. We've gone through just about the entire league at this point. I apologize if there's a team that we missed. It feels like we got through nearly everybody. I'm just taking one last quick glance to see if there's any team that we missed. Let's look at the standings. Celtics, Cavs, Bucks, Knicks, Sixers, Pacers, Heat, Magic, Bulls, Hawks, Nets, Raptors, Hornets, Wizards, Pistons. We touched on all those teams. 
Timberwolves Thunder. The Timberwolves. I don't think we touched on the Timberwolves. Let's just do that quickly. They're the top seed right now. They're the top dog in the West. What you want to do right now on your four-game win streak where you've had to play some a pretty low competition, what you want to do is you want to show that for the duration of the season, in these close games at the end, you want to show that you know who's going to be handling the ball and you want to have plays scripted. You want to develop more of a veteran presence where you don't have Edwards looking sheepish giving up the ball to Cat and Cat trying to do his best to create and take tough shots. You want to have established play calls for Anthony Edwards with the ball. You want to have established shooters in their spots. You want to have Carl Anthony Towns knowing exactly what's expected of him on each and every play. And you want to have Gobert knowing what's expected of him on the offensive end, not just on the defensive end. And you want to execute better with two minutes to go in the fourth quarter. If the Timberwolves can show that they can do that and not blow leads at the end of close games, we know they can beat teams by a lot based on how they play in the first three quarters. But the question for them is, can you win the close game in the fourth quarter? And if they can show that they can do that in these final 27 games, then they'll feel good about themselves going into a playoff series where the entire game becomes like the last couple of minutes of the fourth quarter. The final three or four minutes in the regular season is like the entire 48 minutes, or at least 40 minutes, of a playoff game. So the way that the Timberwolves play in the final few minutes sheds a massive light onto how they'll play in the playoffs, and that's why I'd be very worried if I were them right now. So let's see if they can work on that in the last 27 games. Then you have the Thunder, the Clippers, the Nuggets, the Suns, Pelicans, Mavericks, Kings, Lakers, Warriors, Jazz, Rockets, Grizzlies, Blazers, and Spurs. We went through all those teams, so we went through the entire league. There's a lot of fun, exciting action to look forward to tonight. Hopefully... We don't see any key players get injured over the course of the next couple of weeks heading into the playoffs. You guys can follow us on social at NBAV and NBAvenue and reach out to the show by email at NBAvenue, N-B-A-V-E-N-U-E at yahoo.com with your questions and comments. We're your source for a great time every time. And until next time, we are out.